Has there ever been a time when you've been under a lot of pressure? Um, has there been a time when you've just been like, oh, I don't know what I can do, what I'm going to do? Um, I was thinking about when I've been like that, and I remember a few years ago I decided I was going to get a car. Um, I just got a new job and I had a bit of money, so I was like, okay, I'll go. So I went out to the, um, the showroom, and I wasn't married at that point, so my flatmate, Roger, he said to me, like, whatever you do, don't buy a Fiat. And I was like, okay, fine, fine. So I went out, and I was there, and the guy was like, so we've just got this new Fiat in, and um, it's really nice, got this, got this, got this, and I was like, oh, it's good. And I was like, to be honest, I wasn't really wanting a Fiat, but then I saw the prices of the other ones, and then I thought, oh, no, the Fiat will be fine. So that's, that's grand. Got the Fiat, really good. Um, driving it around, um, I called it Electric Blue, other people called it baby blue, depending on your, um, the way you took it. Um, but it was great. Um, pretty good for the first year. But then I went in for its first MOT and then, you know when you're phoning up and you just don't have a clue what they're talking about? So they're like, oh, I'm really, really sorry, but the, um, the gear translator something, something, and it's gone. And I was like, I really don't know what that means. And like, how much will that cost to fix? And then it's, you know, 500 quid or something awful. So you're like, oh, no. So, um, so that happened. I was like, okay, well, I'll pay it. I'll pay it. And we got married and then um, the car just started having more and more more problems um, until eventually it was every couple of months something was going wrong. We'd, um, I'd come up to the flat and be like, Lauren, the, <laughs> the car's broken again. And we'd be like, oh, so we had to go and hand it in. Um, and it inevitably cost hundreds to get it fixed. So we decided it's time to get rid of this car. Um, and I was like, you know what? I was stupid. I'm never buying an Italian car again. I'm going to buy a German car. German cars are reliable. <laughs> That's what I want. So I went on to Auto Trader and um, went and had a look around. And I was like, what's the cheapest German car I can find? So um, I found a Volkswagen, um, which was great. It was um, absolutely huge. It was built, um, well, not as big as the next car we got, but it was pretty big. And we christened it the Desert Fox. And um, off it went. And it was really good and we were trying to sell the Fiat whilst this was happening and then one day when I was driving back from work I just suddenly, this, suddenly I felt this, you know when you're trying to describe car noises as well, it's really hard, it's just like clunk and a crack at the same time and then it was like <laughs> <laughs> and I was just like this is a really bad car noise so went back, had to start driving the Fiat again because this thing wouldn't work took it in and then the mechanic was like that is a death rattle and I was like oh great, so that was that one gone um, so then we were like, okay, what are we going to do about the car? And then Lauren's brother, um, very kindly, they were moving to South Africa, and they was like, would you like our car? And I was like, oh, yeah, that'd be amazing. Thank you. It was only um, four years old. Um, it was, oh, no, was it six? I can't remember. A few years old. And um, it, was, it was a proper family car. It was a Citroen C4, and I was like, oh, French. They know, they know how to make cars. So, um, so we're going along with this, and um, it, was, it was absolutely gigantic. It was like a people carrier. So I went, and I was going to work, and I picked up one of my colleagues, and he came out and he's like, how many kids did you say you had? And I was like, oh, none. This is just our car. Um, so we're driving it. I was working in Fife at the time. So we're driving back and forth. And then one day on the way back, it was about a month after we got it, we're just going, and then it starts to make this other noise, a bit more like a hum, this noise. But I noticed that it made it only when you're doing about 70. I was like, well, that's fine. I'll go a bit slower. And then I was like, oh, it's doing it about 60 now. And I was like, maybe if I speed up, it'd be better. But actually, it wouldn't speed up. And I was like, oh, this is really bad. So we're going across the, uh, the bridge. And then my colleague was like, is your car going to get home, do you think? And I was like, oh, I'm sure it'll be fine. It'll be fine. 50, 40, 30. And I was like, oh, this is not good. Anyway, managed to get back into Edinburgh got home, Lauren, this car is broken. So, um, took it in and they said, oh yes, that is some pump or something, I don't, don't know, but anyway, it was going to cost £2,000 to get fixed. So I was like, 
had enough of this. So um, eventually we decided we were just going to get a new car on finance, and that was, that was fine. But then afterwards I was like thinking about it, and I was like, what, what happened to me? Why was I under all this pressure? And then someone said to me, well, the only common factor in these cars was that you were driving them, Andy. Um, <laughs> which I think may be true. Um, but anyway, I wanted to talk to you about a time when Jesus was going through a lot of pressure and he was under a lot of strain. It was a time when he'd been working really, really hard. He started his public ministry and he was going around different villages. He just didn't really have much time for himself. He, um, people were making lots of demands on his time. Um, and Jesus wants to model something for us. Um, and um, part of that was that he, he was, must have been exhausted. And sleep is really good, but he actually needed something else. So we can be, be like that as well. Maybe you feel like life is just a, a hard slog. You keep on working and you work and you have a rest, you have a holiday, but it doesn't really quite do it. And you're like, oh, how can I just keep on going like this? Some people actually can get very anxious or low about this. You're just like, oh, my life just feels like it's just on repeat, Groundhog Day. Jesus offers us something better and models it for us. So let's go jump into um, Mark chapter 3. Before daybreak the next morning, Jesus got up and went out to an isolated place to pray. So life is hard. We can't actually do it all on our own. Jesus offers us something else. It's something better than a lion on a Sunday morning. It's something better than holidays. It's refreshment from knowing that we are loved and that we're accepted by God. There's a joy that comes whenever you um, give your heart to Jesus that you can start to enjoy God. You got to get to know the Father, you get to know Jesus, you get to know the Holy Spirit. And through this, we get power to live and thrive in life, but we also get peace from God, which um, can help us when we're troubled with anxieties. There will always be more and more demanded from you. And the world is looking desperately for peace. Everyone's looking for it. But Jesus is offering you peace and joy today. Maybe you've got loads of worries. Maybe you feel like life is just too hard. Jesus is offering help and rest for your soul. But if we go on, we see that Jesus, there's just more and more for him to do. Later, Simon and the others went out to find him. When they found him, they said, everyone is looking for you. But Jesus replied, we must go on to the other towns as well, and I will preach to them too. There was quickly more to do. Life's often like that, isn't it? You get one thing finished and something else comes along. It can feel like you're struggling to go from one day to the next, from one thing to the next. Jesus offers power for living as well. As a man, when he was here on earth, Jesus modeled how we can live. Jesus received this power from God, and he was able to do incredible things, and we are able to do that as well. I used to have lots of fear about social situations. When I was a teenager, I, I didn't want to go out to parties and things because I was just so self-conscious and so worried. But God started to work in me, and, um, and slowly I felt his peace and then also the power of um, um, going out and seeing people. And you might need power for lots of things. Maybe you care for children or parents or other relatives. Maybe you've got a demanding job. Maybe you've got bad habits that you're trying to break and you just can't see that you can get out of them. God can give you power to do things that you never thought you were able to do. Jesus would have been so tired, he just wanted a break, but through the Holy Spirit's power, was able to do what the Father asked him. He said, we must go on to other towns as well, and I will preach to them too. That is why I came. So he traveled throughout the region of Galilee, preaching in the synagogues and casting out demons. Jesus knew that the Father had given him a job to do. Others were making demands on his time, 
but he knew what his purpose was then. His purpose was to preach and to help people. But it models again for us how Jesus wants us to live. If you make Jesus king of your life, he will show you what his plan is for you. And it's often not what you think. Um, when I was 25, I decided that I wanted to go to Bible college. Um, so I, I'm, I'm a doctor, so I um, just finished the first two years of training, decided I was going to take a year out. Um, it was all teed up, but then started to wonder maybe if this was the right thing or not. It was, um, I was going to a different church at the time, and Lauren and I were going out, so we prayed. We didn't know quite what God was wanting us to do, but I just, just prayed and we thought, well, God will let us know. We are down in London visiting a friend, and we went to a church called Christ Church, um, and we were there, and during the preach, um, obviously the guy wasn't as gifted as me, so I was a bit bored, and um, I was just kind of sitting there, and then suddenly he said, oh, stop, actually. I think God's asked me to say something. I think there's someone here who's thinking about going to Bible college, and God wants you to say, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. And I was like, <laughs> so our friend who took us turned round and said in front of everyone, oh, that's you, Andy. <laughs> and I just died. Um, but God doesn't always speak as clearly as that, but he will guide you. He said, I know the plans I have for you. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Maybe if you don't know Jesus, you just don't know what, what's going to happen in the future. You might worry. There's, there's a lot of stuff in the world to worry about at the moment. But God has a plan for you. If you come to him, he can let you know what his plan is. He, when he's in charge of your life, he can lead you to good places. He can give you peace and joy in a hectic and busy world. And he can give you power to live as he asks, to overcome things that have held you back. So, what holds people back from coming to Jesus? Let's go on in the story. A man with leprosy came and knelt in front of Jesus, begging to be healed. If you are willing, you can heal me and make me clean, he said. So, Jesus, as he hears from the Father, he goes out and he meets this poor man who's got this awful skin condition. Now, it's not 100% clear if that's what we would term as modern-day leprosy, but it was a chronic skin condition. It was disfiguring. And in that culture, people who had this condition were separated. They had to live apart from um, the rest of the community. I spent some time in Nepal and actually went to a leprosy hospital there, and, and I just heard some of the harrowing stories of people that have leprosy. There was one young guy who was 19, and um, he was just in his house, and he started to get these dreaded white spots on his hand. And eventually his family found out, and as soon as he got them, he was, he was kicked out. He wasn't allowed to see his family. There was no hope of him getting married. He couldn't get a job. And even though you can kill the bug in, with antibiotics just in a couple of weeks, but actually the, the long-term um, problems stay. And so this guy, just, he just needed love and community, and, um, and that's what this amazing hospital over there was offering. But <laughs> this guy, so he's, he's hurt. He's been isolated. He's been on his own. He comes before Jesus. He broke the social code. He was supposed to keep away from him, but he ran out and said, if you are willing, you can make me clean and you can heal me. So he said he knew that Jesus had the power to help him and he asked Jesus to use it. He felt dirty and separated. He says, you can make me clean. So he had both a physical condition that was embarrassing. He was told to keep away, to live alone. But I think he also knew there was something else, something more he needed than just physical healing. Sometimes we can feel spiritually dirty. We can feel dirty because of what we've done. See, we were designed by God to live in a certain way, according to his rules. These are there for our good, 
but also for the good of others. So, for example, God doesn't want us to steal. It's not good for us. It's bad for our character. It's bad for other people as well. We're to treat others with kindness and respect and, and a whole load of different things. And we know them in our heart. When we break these rules, these make us unclean to God. He is perfect and he is clean. And whenever we sin, we get this uncleanliness within us and then we're separated from God. So looking back, we can all see that we've, we've all done things that we're ashamed of, haven't we? No one's perfect. We knew things to be wrong, but we did them anyway. This is called sin, breaking God's rules. Maybe you feel this uncleanliness within you. Maybe you feel guilt for something that you did maybe years ago or pain for what you've done. When we come to Jesus, we need to do what the Bible says, repent. It's an old-fashioned word, but it means turning away from the life that we had, saying sorry to God, and asking him to forgive us. And God will. Whenever we, whenever we do this, he can give us new power to live in a new way and have a new life. It says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. That word for cleanse is the same word that we get catharsis from. Maybe you've just been walking around for years with this burden of guilt, but God wants to cleanse you, to let it all out, to be free of that today. In fact, whenever we say sorry to God, this dirt goes on to Jesus, and he died to take that punishment that was ours, and we can be free. So how did Jesus respond when this man came to him? Moved with compassion, Jesus reached out and touched him. I am willing, he said, be healed. This is Jesus. When we come to him needy, asking for his help and forgiveness, he just, he just can't help himself. He was moved with compassion. He really loved this man. And he wanted to help him. See, Jesus hates to see us miserable and guilty. He wants to see us happy and forgiven. And so what does Jesus say to him? He says, I am willing. Be healed. He just had to ask and it's the same for us. We can feel sorry. We can ask for a new life with Jesus in charge leading us. We can be free from guilt over the past, cleansed from sins done by us and also cleansed sins done against us. We can be brought into a new life of joy in the midst of our tough lives. And all these three people have talked about Jesus is there with you. So Jesus reaches out his hand and touches this man. You imagine this is the first time in years he's had someone touch him with kindness just on his shoulder and not judging him, but forgiving him and healing him. The next verse says, Immediately the leprosy left him, and he was made clean. So the man received physical healing, and Jesus still does this today. And if you have anything which you're wanting Jesus to heal you for, then please come and speak to us at the end or go to the prayer team. We'd love to pray with you. But there's also the spiritual healing which Jesus is offering today. This man came to Jesus in dependence and need, he received this cleansing, and now he can live a new life with God. So this is what an off, is on offer for you today. Rather than busyness, you can have peace. Rather than meaninglessness, you can have purpose. Rather than weakness, you can have power. Instead of feeling unclean, you can feel clean. Instead of feeling guilty, you can be forgiven. I really urge you, if you haven't done this before, not to put this off. Um, three weeks ago, a girl I went to uni with, Jazz, was tragically killed in a, in a road accident. We just don't know how long we've got. If you haven't given your life to Jesus, I would really urge you to do it this morning. We're going to get the band up. We're going to have a last song, then I'll get back up, and there'll be a chance for you to respond.